So for real, how are you feeling? You know, this is my third time doing sound healing, I think. And it was great. Like I don't have like distinct memories of how I felt besides like for the other two, I mean. And this time I just felt like, you know how the sound circles the bowl, like it was circling in my body as well, right? And that I um, I felt also, because I think this is the first time I've been seated as opposed to lying down. So yeah, it just felt like a clearing. I don't know, like when the sound was moving, it was a clearing. What about you? Same. You know, I, I wouldn't know how to describe the sound of the bowls or the effect that they have, which is why I'm so glad we get to bring it to people this episode, because it, it, I like what you said about it being a clearing. That's what it felt like, this movement. I keep doing this with my hands, like like it's all encompassing and it moves different parts. Like there were times where certain things really resonated in different parts of my body. And it felt amazing to sit for a minute and just be a human being, not a human doing, and just sit and be and let the energy swirl. So I loved it. Yeah. I'm so glad that that we get the audience or our listeners to be able to do the same. Totally. Well, with that, you now hear what we just experienced. We're going to bring this to you in this episode. It's May, which is Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. And as we've discussed on the show, as biracial people with Japanese immigrant parents, anti-Asian hate is something we've had to be even more keenly aware of over the last few years. And beyond that small sliver of tension, not so small sliver of tension, let's be honest, the world as a whole has been a lot for everyone, regardless of your identity nowadays. So we wanted to present you listeners with a gift this week. And that gift is the gift of connecting with spiritual energy, understanding from a first generation Filipino woman about the ancestral divine art of sound healing, along with an actual sound healing that you can pull over to the side of the road for, or sit or lay down in a safe space to listen and absorb. Welcome to the Dear White Women podcast, the show that helps model and normalize conversation about race and racism so we can better help white women use their privilege to uproot systemic racism without centering themselves in the process. We are your biracial hosts, Sarah and me, Sasha. So excited. Would you please introduce yourself for everybody listening? Yes. Hello, everyone. I am Christina Ifrang, the owner of Kapwa Healing, energy medicine practitioner and nurse. I just focus on helping people discover their self-healing within themselves and become masters of their own life through self-discovery and energy work. So yay! I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> First of all, let's like context set. You know, the Philippines are sometimes considered Pacific Islanders, sometimes considered Southeast Asian. And you've said that you're a first generation Filipina. So I'm really curious, how has this concept right now in AAPI History Month sat with you? Yeah, for me, it has been eye-opening because as someone that grew up in America, I don't think I really started to see how separated it was until like recent years, probably like three years ago, I really started to dive deep into my own heritage and really started to care about what it really meant. Probably like most of Asian Americans or people who are biracial growing up in America. And so for me, it's been beautiful because it's been 
asking a lot of questions, getting curious with my own community and and growing alongside with those who are also learning. I saw a video not too long ago that had the breakdown between how America has separated the different types of Asian Americans or Asian and Pacific Islanders. And sometimes I feel like, do we really have to be separated when we really are from the same region? Like, why is there so much separation that's being created between like, whether you're from the islands or you're from like the main continent of Asia? Like, it's kind of a boggling concept to me that we have to be so distinct about it, you know? That's so true. And sometimes I wonder if it's not so much to separate, but to remember that people are also Pacific Islanders. I know another Filipina friend of mine was like, people don't realize like in, for example, East Asia, you use chopsticks. And where I come from, she's like, we use our hands to eat. right? (laughs) And so there are these differences that I don't think people understand either within the AAPI community. So I appreciate you sharing that. I was drawn to invite you on the show because I got to experience the sound healing that you offered at the History of Colorado event. And I was wondering if you could please explain to us what sound healing can do. What does it do for bodies? Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming to that event. It was such a beautiful way to be a part of our community and introduce sound healing to a lot of people who had never experienced it. Because in that workshop that you got to attend, there were several people. And every time I hold a workshop, it's always or a ceremony. And usually I call them ceremonies. And I'll get into that here in a second. But sound healing is something that existed over 400,000 years ago that actually developed in East Asia, actually China, to be specific. And the idea is that everything is energy and we're all vibration. And so when we tune into frequencies, our body can connect to those frequencies. And with sound bowls specifically, they put off a resonance, right? So a different frequency, different resonance. And each bowl has a specific frequency that relates to a chakra, a different chakra of the body. And so when you play the bowls, our bodies carry dissonant energy, right? So we carry traumas, wounds, and different things in different parts of our body. And by the time we realize that we're hurting and we have chronic illnesses, it can be due to some of those things that we store in the body. So that's what we call dissonant energy. So when you take the resonance of these sound bowls or sound healing instruments, and the dissonance within the body, it creates constructive interference. So between those two things, it basically shakes up all those dissonant energies that we hold in our body and it realigns it, whatever needs to be done. And the beautiful part about sound healing ceremonies is as a practitioner, I get to witness how people can invite the simplicity of surrender and solitude in a span of time and really watch how sound affects them, how it creates space for them. And when they come out of these, you know, portals or experiences or journeys that they go on with the sound, you can just see this like wave of emotion from people who are releasing and crying to people who feel elated or people who just had a really, really good nap. And that's just what they needed at that time. And so I get really emotional at the end of every ceremony because when I see people come out of these sound healing journeys, it's just like, wow, you did that. Like you created this time for yourself and on purpose, you know? And so for me, 
it is an absolute like beautiful part of being the observer of what people are doing for themselves and committing to themselves even just for you know an hour 30 minutes to be in surrender because I don't know about y'all but like I am the type of person that is like so so busy that I can't even pause to take a break to like take a breath you know intense like okay let me take like a few breaths here like no I got time for that gotta go like you guys like multi-dimensional human beings we are moms we have careers we're wives we have you guys have the podcast right so we're constantly doing so much and to offer this to people just feels like such a gift. I appreciate all of what you said, because I think that there is so much power in that, right? So much power in finding that space in ourselves, right? And taking, sort of reclaiming that time in a way. So I am super excited for what's to come. But as you were talking, you know, I was wondering, how did sound healing come into your life? Has it been something that you've been aware of for a long time? Has it been a newer part of your journey? Thank you for asking that. This is actually the favorite part of my life story, to be very honest, because as I've started to dive even deeper into my own heritage, there's a lot of ancestral power with, I think, you know, our Asian cultures that date so far back. And so as I started to communicate more with my grandma through dreams, and that's how kind of she pops up in my life, she's passed away back in 2011. I really started to go deep in like, what is my ancestry? Like, how am I connected to them? What does it mean to break generational curses and generational, you know, traumas? And my grandma came to me in a dream. I am not a musician by any means. Your girl can't sing, even though Filipinas, we like to get on that mic in the karaoke room, you know, despite all that. I don't really have a musical bone. My father can play the piano by ear and he sings real great. But other than that, it's like doesn't really run in my family. But I had this dream with my grandma and in the dream, we're sitting in her garden. She loved roses. Like she just always had a ton of roses in her garden. Plus she would grow vegetables and fruits and such. But I remember in this dream, she was just talking to me about energy, about life and trying to explain to me how plants can tell me so much about life in general. And I needed to spend more time outside and and with vibration and energy. I woke up that next morning and ladies, like, I can't even describe, I just woke up and I was like, I think I want to buy a sound bowl. Like sounds bizarre, but I was like, okay, I think I'm going to do this. So I told my boyfriend at the time, who's now my husband and he, just such a wonderful soul. And for my birthday, bought me my first sound bowl. It was like right around the same time I had this dream. So it was just like all, and it was crazy because it was like my grandma's death anniversary was coming up right around my birthday. So it was like all full circle. So he buys me my first bowl. I'm like weeping. I just got out of a divorce of like 10 years of, I felt very disconnected in that relationship. So to have someone that I was just recently dating and then like listened and bought something that was so special to me, I was like, wow, this is so cool. So little momentum there. But I remember strumming the bowl for the first time, y'all. And my whole body just connected to the vibration of the bowl. And then I was just like, wow, I need to have all the bowls. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get my hands on them, but I got to have it. I got to, I'm going to figure it out. I don't have the funds at the time. I was still working part-time as a night shift nurse and doing, I was building a health coaching business at the time, at the same time. And 
I just said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to buy the full set. And I bought the set. It showed up. And y'all, one of the bowls were broken. So of course, like, I'm like, what does this mean? Does this mean I shouldn't be playing? Like, you know, so I reached out to the distributor and the manufacturer. I'm going back and forth trying to figure out, like, can we get this replaced? Can we not? And come to find the people who made the bowls could not replace the single bowl that was broken. So the distributor was like, okay, well, no problem. Unfortunately, it's glass, so we can't take it back. Just some background. It's made with 98% crystal quartz, 2% silicone. So it's very, very a fragile instrument. So they're like, you can keep what you have, and we're going to refund you the entire amount. Okay. So then I was like, okay, my grandma told me she just gifted. Like my ancestors just gifted me this set because y'all, the first bowl that my husband had bought me was the one bowl that showed up broken. And you know what it was? It was the heart chakra. Okay. Like I can't even make this up. All right. This is real life. And so in that moment, I just knew that like what I was doing was so much bigger than me. I knew it gets me so emotional because I know that I'm just a vessel of this bigger and larger spirit that lives within me that I get to bring into these ceremonies that I hold for people who decide that they want to have sound healing in their life. And to know that before I was even diving deep into what ancestry was for me, that they were already showing up. And that was, it's everything. It's everything. And since then, it's like, obviously I got a, a health coaching and now I'm fully in my energy medicine practice. And it's just been so beautiful the way that it has blessed my life and has continued to bless others in the community. So that story. <laughs> oh my goodness. And I love so much of what you talked about that truly sounds like it was meant to be and that this is your truth and the universe conspired to bring this all together for you. The other thing I want to point out is how much you mentioned ancestors. And I'm sort of physically putting my hands on my heart right now because this is the woo-woo side of me that I don't always talk about on the show, but I was meeting with one of the many spiritual, like I, it was either my feng shui person or the shaman, I can't remember, but they had said, put your hand on your heart and remember that you are here because of the people who came before you. You are never alone because they are with you. And I think this is something that we talk about a lot on my Japanese side. And I find that the white side doesn't really discuss that they belong to their ancestry as well. And I think one of the gifts my mom, my Japanese immigrant mom has brought to my white side of the family is her like passion for family lineage and diving into my dad's family history. And, and I just want everyone to take that moment to appreciate that we are all here, thanks to the people who came before us. And we all have people we belong to. And that line, we are one of this like stack of people because there are folks who will come in front of us too, if we have children and this next generation that we care for. So we're just one, we're just passing through time right now as part of that history and that legacy. So I just wanted to share that. Well, Christina, first of all, that story is amazing. And I love it because word that keeps coming up is power, right? But I think there is such grounding as well, right? When we think about that line and, you know, Sarah, to your point about sort of the Japanese side and the white side, like there has been such a strong rooting, right? On my Japanese side of not only are our ancestors who have brought us to this point, right? But they are still with us in a way that when I feel like when it's discussed by white people, it's like a scary concept, right? Like it's scary if something 
you know, from your lineage or ancestral lineage or someone or some being or some energy comes back towards you, right? Like that is sort of seen as, as something to be afraid of. And I think it's really different, right? When we look at it through that other lens. And it's always been something that I've wondered, like, why is that so scary, right? Why should we be afraid of that? Because that is who has brought us here, right? And these are the people that we carry with us as we move forward, right? And continue to grow. Yeah, I love all these points that we're bringing about up about ancestry. You know, in our Filipino culture, we have an altar in our home. And I think over time, you know, colonization has made it more religious. But when you date it back to, you know, our indigenous tribes that have the altars, they put pictures up of their ancestors on the altar. And I bring this with me at every ceremony that I have, because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here. And I couldn't like, they're literally the ones that gifted me my first set, right? (laughs) So they come with me everywhere. And I think it's important in in every ceremony, I always talk about the altar and there's always so many different races that come to these ceremonies. So I'm able to say like, look, no matter who you are, whether you're white, you're brown, you're yellow, you're purple, like you have an ancestry. And I hope that even partaking in seeing the altar here today before you gives you curiosity to want to honor that for yourself. So yeah, it's very, it's it's very deep and important to, to me. So I hope that it inspires other people to look into that for themselves. Because even when I talk to my family, and I ask my parents, like, they don't know very far back either. So now I'm on this, like, mission of like, how do I start to uncover all of this? How do I start to figure that out? And it's just, you know, like you guys say on the podcast, it's like, you just get curious about all the things. <laughs> I have a curiosity question before we go further. Okay. This is the sound bowl that my brother gifted me. You mentioned yours is like glass and silicone. What I'm holding up is like a metallic bowl. What is the difference? Yes. So that is a Tibetan sound bowl that is made with brass. And so traditionally they take a piece of brass and they hammer it to become that size, that rounded size, the same way that you would see a crystal ball in a round thing. But ours, so the crystal balls are made, like I said, with 98% plus course, 2% silicone, and it's grounded down to a fine scent and then molded in heat to four at like 4,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Whereas the Tibetan bowls, they're brass that is beat to that. So traditionally, some of them, well, you'll see the authentic ones, they kind of have like beat like a beaded texture to them, I guess you can say. Um, But those ones are, they offer a different frequency as well. It's still the sound, the frequencies are still the same, but the sound is different. All right, cool. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) And I feel like sometimes too, the brass ones take a very different technique, like a different stroking technique in order to increase the vibrational sound. Well, I just learned a whole bunch about sound bowls right there. Um, so, I, <laughs> But I also want to be mindful that we really want to get to the sound bowl session. So before we get there, though, is there what else haven't we asked that you would like to share? Oh, girl, I could talk all day. <laughs> With sound healing, I think it's important that when you go into a sound bath that you research your practitioner heavily first. A lot of the times I think, you know, in spiritual 
realms right now, it's become so mainstream that anyone can pick up any bowl and anything and just be like, hey, I'm a healer. And not to say that we're not, because we do all possess the medicine that we need in ourselves to self-heal. That's like something I really believe in. And I am very grateful that I have elders in my life that are able to call me forward in my work so that I can be in reverence of the medicine itself. So though I talk about how beautiful and wonderful it is, I think there is a lot of disservice happening for some people out there who don't know. And they just see like, oh, this sounds cool. It's like new agey sound baths and psilocybins and and have breath work, you know, like, let me get all this all in one. But I think something that we're getting away from in the spiritual world is how do we come back to the simplicity of the medicine itself and honoring what it is? Because what happens when you add too many modalities at once, it becomes very overwhelming to a spirit that doesn't know how to manage it on their own. And it takes a lot of practice and the right guidance. And so my biggest thing in my own journey right now is like for people to have discernment around putting themselves in these quote unquote like new agey practices and to be really mindful about who you're allowing yourself to sit with in these ceremonies whether it's you know psychedelic ceremonies breathwork ceremonies cacao ceremonies sound healing ceremonies like do research and know who your practitioner is because you don't want to leave yourself in a vulnerable place where you don't know how to manage or don't have the support to be held a lot of the times these energy practices when you leave it still is effective for days after there are still lots of things emotionally that come up that you may not know how to deal with so knowing that you can go back to that practitioner and be like hey this is coming up for me and i don't know what the heck to do with it like that support should be present in whoever's holding space for you. It's not a just like, hey, see you later. Like, hope you have a good life. Hope it worked for you. You know, it's like, for me, it's so much deeper than that. So that would be like my biggest message for those who are wanting to dabble in sound healing or any type of spiritual modality that deals with the spirit. We've just gotten so separated. Like we think it's so separate, you know, the body, the spirit, the mind, the soul, the heart. It's like, no, we're all one. Like it's all one whole some unit and each one needs a different thing but you got to learn how to be with each part of yourself and that includes having the correct guide that's going to do that for you so yeah (laughs) that's awesome well thank you for sharing that i think that's a good thing for everyone to keep in mind and with that we like your work so would you mind going ahead and let sort of leading us into a sound bowl session I would love to. I would love. I'd be honored. Thank you so much. Okay. So wherever you're at, if you're driving, please just listen. Don't close your eyes or (laughs) anything like that if you're listening to the podcast. But if you are in a place, just start to connect with the breath. Allowing yourself to pay attention to the way that it's flowing through the nose and entering the body. Maybe you're feeling the heart open and expand. Maybe you're paying attention to the way the belly rises and falls with the breath. Allowing yourself to let this breath be the guide 
you feel your mind wandering, simply breathe into the thought and bring it back to how the air is blowing through. Together, we'll take a deep inhale in and exhale out. Repeat that again, deep inhale in and exhale out. And allow yourself to continue this breath throughout the practice and throughout the ceremony of this mini sound healing that we have as an offering for you today. Letting the breath allow the body to become heavier, the softness of your body to become softer and allow yourself to go inward setting whatever intention that you have in these next few minutes together with the sound and with your energy.
your breath. The same breath that led you into the space of surrender and solitude. And give yourself gratitude here, love for showing up and pausing for the last few minutes that we spent together in sound. Let's go ahead and take a deep inhale here and exhale out. Maybe it feels good to place a hand over a heart and just connect, giving yourself the grace and whatever it is that you need in these last few seconds, in this last breath, letting go of whatever is not serving you to make room for what will. One more deep inhale here together. And exhale out. If your eyes are closed, allow them to flutter back open. Be acclimating yourself to the space. Mm. So delicious. <laughs> You've just listened to the Dear White Women podcast with your hosts, Sarah and Misasha. Yes, we're on social media. And yes, you can hire us to do talks about our book. But the biggest thing, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter to receive our free materials. Head over to DearWhiteWomen.com to get on the list.